G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, Easter is closing in fast and while we've got our own challenges here in Australia as to how Easter might look this year, let's cast our thoughts and our attention to Easter in the nation of Sri Lanka for a few moments. You might remember just last year. On Easter Sunday, there were attacks on Christian churches. And so persecution, which wasn't ordinarily a part of the fabric of Sri Lankan society, all of a sudden came to the fore. Well, let's get some insights about what's going on in Sri Lanka and what they might be anticipating this coming Easter. Murray Noble is a researcher with Open Doors. He specialises in issues around Easter persecution. Murray's back with us. Hi, Murray. Welcome back to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me again. Murray, it's hard to believe, isn't it? Just such a significant attack on Christian churches in Sri Lanka, and it happened on Easter Sunday just last year. Uh, what do you remember from those attacks that uh, that is so significant for us to reflect on today? You know, I think it's the sheer number of people that were affected and the fact that it happened in Sri Lanka, which on our world watch list, was ranked at number 46. So definitely a country that experiences persecution, but not to this level or severity. We saw 259 people lose their lives as six bombs were set off across the country in coordinated attacks by Islamic extremists. And this is not a country where Islamic extremism has traditionally been the major form of persecution. So it was shocking both in its nature and in the severity that we saw. Easter is a target time when you've got terror attacks against Christian churches and clearly that's to have the most significant impact because oftentimes churches are full on Easter. Uh, How do you see things that were similar in Sri Lanka to other attacks we've seen over the years, say in places like Pakistan? We know that Easter is a time of increased persecution both in severity and probability. In the last five years, we've seen more than 450 Christians lose their lives over the Easter period. That could be in Pakistan, that could be in the Egypt attacks of 2017, and we can even go back to Garissa University in Kenya, which was back in 2015. Attacks are going to happen at Easter. It's, it's not a, they probably happen, it's, there's going to be attacks at Easter. It may not be this one this year, but based upon the probability of the last five years, it's going to happen. So we've come to expect these attacks. However, Sri Lanka was so striking because it was in Sri Lanka, not a traditionally aggressive persecution country. Okay, Easter being a target time, what does it do to the Christian church when there are bombings? I mean, there's a little bit of a fallacy, isn't there, that somehow or other when there is intense persecution like that, that somehow or other the church uh, grows automatically. But when there's that level of persecution that comes from terror attack bombings, that certainly causes the church to scatter, doesn't it? It's a very frightening time. And you're right, there is fear in the church over what has happened and why it has happened. 
but the fallacy isn't always a fallacy. And we did see that in Sri Lanka at Zion Church, which is an evangelical church where 31 Christians lost their lives. 83 families were affected in the bombings, whether it be losing a loved one or being wounded. And 10 months on, all 83 families are still attending church. So we do see Christians in fear. We do see Christians suffering for their faith. But we also see bold Christianity coming to the forefront as Christians choose Jesus over perhaps the safety the world says is more important. It truly is, isn't it, a wake-up call for every Christian, not just for Sri Lankan Christians in a Sri Lankan church setting, but for every Christian, us here in Australia, that we can't take for granted our safety and security and our faith is in God, but somehow or other we don't set our faith aside when we know that there are attacks, but we really need to press in and be even deeper as Christians, don't we? I think it, it, it comes down to where we are placing our strength and where our strength is coming from. Because if our strength is from the world or from ourselves, if we were to be attacked, I don't think our faith would stand. But when our strength is in Christ and in God, then we're able to stand through such persecution or an intense attacks like we saw in Sri Lanka. And the pastor of one of these churches lost two of his good church friends and his 12-year-old son. And as, as he was conducting funerals, he met with some of our partners. And after speaking with them and mourning with them, as he went to go out the door and continue the horrific day of burying members of his congregation, he said, Satan has been defeated. Let's get back to work. This is one day after losing his son. While he's in the midst of grieving, he recognizes that God is in control. And I think that's so powerful and such encouragement to the Australian church. The work of Open Doors, very powerful too, because you want to be a support to those Christian believers, those churches that are under threat, those ones that where there are enemies trying to stamp them out. You want to keep them alive. And uh, that's not always through political advocacy. It really is about getting those resources in on the ground that help believers survive through the circumstances. Give us some little insight here into the way that that can work so powerfully within a church that sometimes is besieged by enemies. Absolutely. Just one day after the bombing, we had some of our partners on the ground meeting with these hurting and grief-filled communities. Uh, we worked with the church to develop trauma counselling to allow members of the church to process what had happened because sometimes it's not physical and tangible support that the church needs. Sometimes they just need someone to listen as they talk through what has happened. But at the same time, we did provide practical and physical replacement of supplies that had been lost. A number of families lost their major form of transport as the motorcycles out front of the church were destroyed. So we replaced the motorcycles. There was a man who lost all of his business in the attack. So we replaced his business. And then through it all, we also sent letters. Our wonderful supporters all around the world sent letters to this church saying, we are one with you. We are standing with you. We are part of the global church believing in Christ. And we want you to know that you are not alone as you face this persecution. So it's not always political advocacy. Sometimes it's just sitting and standing with those who need the help in this time of grief and persecution. Ordinary believers, of course, they are recipients of some of that care. But let's talk just for a moment about the leaders, because 
there are amazing testimonies that I've heard of the courage, especially from leaders. But if leaders haven't got the support that's coming from outside, if leaders in those persecuted contexts don't know that there are believers praying for them somewhere else in the world, uh, there's something less steady, less strong, less confident about their leadership. But your support actually helps to support and bolster the confidence of those leaders. Absolutely. Going back to Sri Lanka and Pastor Kumaran, we met with him maybe six months after the attack, and his first words were, I remember you, you sat with us, and you cried with us. Knowing that there were people there to support him allowed him to support his community. He talks about the strain of needing to be the pastor and caring for his community while being unable to grieve for those that he had lost. And we provided that space for him to grieve and also the resources for him to rebuild his community. So it's so important to have leaders that are leading their communities, and the only way we have those leaders are if they are supported by the global church. Murray, your team, the Open Doors crew, and you've got a number of officers in Australia, but are you going to be sitting by the phone coming up this Easter, bracing for attacks that might happen wherever they might happen in the world and trying to mobilise someone to move in there as a support, uh, someone to connect with believers? Is this the way it works? You're almost bracing for another attack this coming Easter? Bracing is a very interesting word, but in some ways, yes. We're, We're not hopeful for an attack. We're never hoping for an attack to happen, but we're conscious that the probability tells us there will be an attack. Thankfully, we're not in Australia sitting on the phone ready, needing to call someone up because we have such a diverse base throughout the world that we're quietly confident that there'll be someone who we can connect with or a partner church that we can connect with to send aid when an attack does occur. We're not hoping for an attack. We're not hoping for any Christians to lose their life or suffer for their faith. But we live in a broken world, and the Bible tells us that persecution will come when the church is thriving. And there are many places where the church is thriving under pressure. And so we're ready if that does happen. Interesting as you take the silver lining on what is often a dark cloud and say that persecution would not be happening unless the church was thriving. And as we hear reports of revival happening in so many nations around the world, as the church continues to grow and grow stronger, then it becomes more of a threat to other regimes. And let's just broaden ourselves here around the world because around the world there's significant things that are happening with the growth of the church. So this is one of those things that you do anticipate. And I guess when you talk about that word bracing for an attack, yes, you'll be ready when more of those attacks do come. Uh, but it is one thing, isn't it, to to recognise that when these attacks are on the rise, that means the church is growing. Yes, we definitely get to see the goodness of God in the downfall of the world. Uh, I think a country that comes to mind is Burkina Faso, where last year they weren't in the top 50 countries of the world watch list, but due to attacks late last year, they're now ranked number 28. And we don't know where these attacks have come from, we recognize that there's probably a spiritual element to these attacks happening at this time. But the church in Burkina Faso is clearly there and is clearly growing. And so whenever we see an increase of attacks, we say the church is growing. And that's not to say attacks equals church growing, but if the church is growing, there's going to be an increase in persecution. Because in the same way King Jong-un does not like 
the increase of the church in North Korea. The devil does not like the increase of the church throughout the world. Well, when there are attacks, that's an indicator that the church is growing. And Murray, I know that at Open Doors, you're always out to find some more prayer partners, some more financial supporters. Let me point people to the website, opendoors.org.au, opendoors.org.au, and there are very few opportunities like the one that Open Doors offers uh, for ordinary people to actually have a direct participation supporting those persecuted believers in situations around the world, but you can do that through Open Doors. Uh, point you to opendoors.org.au. Murray Noble is a researcher with Open Doors. Murray, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Neil, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.